Welcome to the Hologram Media Club. I'm Will. Nerd! And I'm Gavin. God, what a dork. We're a book club for the 21st century. The newest wonder of the 21st century. We'll focus on sci-fi, fantasy, and speculative fiction audiobooks. Books are for square. But we'll get into all sorts of geeky stuff. It's dorky. I'm aware that it's dorky. Each episode, we'll discuss a book, then recommend a new book to discuss on the next episode. Stupid episode after another. Talk to us on any social media, or even better, join us on an episode and share your thoughts. With the nerds and the geeks? Welcome to another episode of the Holograms Media Club. I'm Gavin. I'm Will. I'm Aaron. And today we're going to be talking about the second half of 1965, Dune. That's right. By Frank Herbert. By Frank Herbert. Will's mugging at me, trying to get me to laugh. (laughs) (laughs) How could you not laugh at my face? I know. I'm not looking at your face. I'm looking at my teeth. (laughs) Um, Mm. Yeah, so we did the first half to coincide with the movie, and we went ahead and did the second half. So let's talk about the second half of the book. That's right. The first half was so juicy, had to keep going. That's right. <laughs> couldn't stop ourselves. <laughs> so spoilers ahead if you haven't read the second half or got beyond the first or yeah. the movie that just came out. Yeah. We will be spoiling. Spoiling this is true. shit out of it. Yep. Mm-hmm. The movie actually goes a little bit into the what we think of as the second half of the book. Although the second half is two books. Which yeah. I didn't realize at first, although it really could have just been one. It really is just one. Um, yeah. It's weird talking yeah. to people. They're like, what somebody was asking me what our podcast episode was. And I said, it's like the first book and a half of Dune. They're like, oh, you're going into the other series? I was like, no, the first book is actually three books. And then I just get this <laughs> blank stare and I'm like, you know what? Don't worry about it. <laughs> right. <laughs> we talk about the first episode is the movie. And then the second episode is the next movie. Think of, right. it, think of it like that. It's like three large chapters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then you get into Lord of the Rings, right? Lord of the Rings is actually, I think, five or six books or something, right? Like, yeah. mm-hmm. it, doesn't, it doesn't make anything easy. I don't, like... I, don't I mean, know. you know, all of the, the individual parts of the Bible are books. That's how it's always referred to, you know? Oh, well, that's true, too. Book of Job, you right. know, that sort of thing, so... Right, that, yeah. Yeah, it's it's... I, I think I'd rather read Dune again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ooh, uh, sorry to say the good book might be coming up on your... <laughs> it's a Messiah story. You're not that far off. That's true. And apparently yeah. if you listen to the wrong people, it was just another white dude saving all the brown people again. <laughs> right, exactly. White man. That's right. So, yeah, so that's that. So that's what we'll be talking about is the second half of Dune. That's right. And I loved it. It was a great uh, completion to the story. I, I felt that it went further than I thought that it even was going to, knowing that it is a six-parter that Herbert originally wrote, six books. Well, I guess six full books, six, right? Six novels, yeah. Novels, yeah. yeah. I don't think so he was I, planning I didn't... on writing six. I think he was just planning on writing Dune and got excited. Yeah. Yeah. Because it definitely, I thought maybe, you know, the Baron would make it out alive and th- different things. But right. as we later found out, he did not <laughs> make <Nope>. it out. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, he did not. No, he did not. No. Yeah. 
So yeah, we it starts um, actually a little bit before Paul joins with the Fremen. So he and um, Jessica escape, crash their thopter, um, are getting into the sand, running from uh, worms. They get picked up by um, Stilgar and his crew, taken back to the the Siech and. Paul gets challenged by Jamis to a knife fight. Paul kills him. Uh, ends up having to take responsibility for Jamis's <laughs> wife and kids. Um, and then you know they spend some time learning. He you know falls in love with uh, Chani or possibly Chaney, depending on which version you listen to. Yeah. Um, I like Chani. I don't. Chaney just makes me think of Lon Chaney. So yeah. <laughs> it was very disorienting. That's a different book. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, be, takes on his takes on his name of uh, Maud Deeb, which is the little mouse, yeah. the Reverend Mother of the Fremen. So yeah, Jessica is able to, yeah. and, and, and so because she eventually Howat uh, has been captured by Baron Harkonnen. And there's a lot the of poison like, sniffers can't the detect the antidote. So just as long as slaughter to Gisterban, uh, you know, a single Arrakis. a single word, yeah, yeah a safe word, this, uh, kind of safe word. Will, uh, you know, he, his he opponent is supposed to be drugged, but he's not. And and so yeah, eventually so you went over your 60 seconds by a little yeah i went over by a lot nobody was timing me i don't care whatever we'll we'll figure out how to edit in the music at some point i have a couple of questions i have a question of who is the first motherfucker that figured out if you get a stick with a shovel end on it and stab it in a worm you can ride it up and then control the thing around yeah, right. Maybe yeah. they saw an injured worm and it was like, you know, a it's, segment was missing and it was just going around in circles or something. <laughs> something it's, like actually, it's actually in one of the one of Herbert's sons, uh, Brian, right? Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Yeah. Anderson. They actually go over at one of their prequel books. But mm. I just the, the idea that some Fremen was out there just be like, dude, walking sucks. <laughs> and <they> just <laughs> work out a different way to do it. And then anyway, they get a paraquin on top of it. Yeah, right. Yeah, the <laughs> and then my other big question is the water of life. So the Bene Gesserit have been for thousands of years, right? 90 generations, I think Paul says at one point. And in the movie, even Jessica says thousands of years they've been working on this breeding program. So feasibly, they've had this awakening or the, the ancestral memory for maybe not that whole... 90 generations but certainly for a lot of generations where did they get the water of life before they figured out they could drown a worm so what i got out of that was that what the uh what the fremen offshoot of the benny jesser were doing was using this water of life which was a like approximation of whatever the benny jesser were using elsewhere uh, okay that makes sense <clears throat> it was it was some kind of poison that they would use right, okay. and change yeah okay that I makes guess. sense yeah right i could see that the harkonnens were on arrakis for 70 years so do we know they don't mention in this book i don't think who was in charge before them 
Yeah. Yeah. They don't, I don't think they say anything about that. Yeah. I'm just so interested in the history of all of that. And I think too, the whole thing with the makers where they describe like the, their intake water, like in their natural habitat, they take water in and then eventually they take too much water in and, and they die or something like that. And that's where kinds ended up dying because the dust ended up exchanging places with that. It's yeah. It's a little more vague than Herbert actually said in an interview that he left a life cycle of the makers sort of vague, but the Mm -hmm. general idea is they start out as the little sand trout, which is like kind of a cross between an animal and a fungus. Um, Mm -hmm. Because he says it's a plant. It's, point, yeah, it's kind of like a plant. cross, uh, a plant, not fungus. Yeah, it's sort of a cross between a plant and an animal. And they drink, mm-hmm. I think they absorb some water. And then as they grow, water is bad for them. And then I guess when they're little makers, if you put too much water in them, you get the water of life. Which again, how does somebody figure that out? But I don't know. Somebody on our planet ate lobster for the first time too. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> yeah. I guess it just shit works out. But then right. they turn into the larger makers, and then the larger makers die. And again, the creation of the spice is left sort of vague. There's a theory that the spice is worm worm dew. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's what it said. Something like the worms that die turn into spice, right. and that exchanged. Yeah, and then there's a chemical process that goes on with like carbon dioxide and the water gathers, and then you end up with a big spice blow. Which, which is what killed Kynes which is in the what, book. Which yeah. is what killed Kynes. I think the, the bubble came up and then a, just the way you move Earth out, something has to fall into that hole. So you get... <laughs> yeah. and, then, and then more pours back in. Yeah, yeah. spice out Kynes and sand back in. So Which yeah. happens much better in the book. I, I don't think I like the way in the movie that... No. Uh, Harkonnens were able to sneak up behind him on a you know wide open sand dune and just stab him Her. in the back. That yeah, didn't make much sense. No, to me. I really or I the Sadakar, whoever it was that killed him. Yeah, no, it was in, the the book was better for Kynes. Kynes is much better in the book than was written. Well, particularly movie. yeah, because you get that entire inner monologue as he's lying there dying, and it's very much about you know his place on this planet. Yeah, you know, yeah. which has been you know the the focus of his entire life um, for three so, yeah, for three the, generations of his life. Yeah, like right, great yeah. grandfather, grand or grandfather, father, and 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 kinds. Yeah, yeah, that was a a fairly important kind of an important point. Although I guess for movie making, that point doesn't move the general plot along, so you cut it. Yeah, yeah, but and you know, kinds in the movie got a more um heroic slash action oriented cinematic death i guess yeah yeah cinematic yeah it would have been hard to give that exposition and that internal monologue in a non-inch movie it would have been (laughs) right difficult right i just wish she wasn't snuck enough snuck up on behind like that it was just not believable that's not that's not a experience yeah no for a serious major fremen player like not just yeah. some little kid Fremen, but some major Fremen player that's been playing against the Harkonnens for years, the Emperor his entire life or her entire life, just to be wasted by a Sardaukar in the back like that. Like you say, mm-hmm. up just in plain view was just kind of not believable. Yeah, it's kind of kind of a cheap way to go. 
But Kynes is so embedded into the Fremen. I didn't realize. I think the second listen through that sh- that he's the cousin or the brother, I guess, of Stilgar, because Chani or Chaney is the niece of uh, oh, yeah, I didn't Stilgar. Yeah, and they mention it like several yeah. times. Which yeah. so Kynes is so embedded into the Fremen yeah. that I guess I-, I was wondering how often does he even go to the Imperium. Well, he doesn't go off planet. He stays on the planet. I don't think he's ever been off planet. So then he's just an ambassador that was born yeah, his, on Arrakis? Yeah, his his dad and his grandfather were both planetologists for the emperor. Just through blood. Yeah. Just through blood, and they just kind of did that. And then I guess it was the grandfather that whatever stopped some Fremen kid from getting his shit kicked out of him. And the Fremen kind of tolerated him for a little while, and then they tolerated the father and the grandfather was the one that came up with the idea that you could actually turn Arrakis into something with greenery and water and More, stuff like yeah. that and really try for that. And then the father started doing it and Kynes picked up that mantle. So they just sort yeah. of sort of And there is that yeah. there's that scene in the in the book, and I honestly don't remember if there's a conversation like this in the movie, but Paul swears to Kynes that he will he will make that his goal as well right you know the and in fact he he kind of swears almost swears loyalty to what does yeah that's to kinds in that mm-hmm. in that regard and says, Arrakis, yes i will right and just says i will i yeah i'm the duke of Arrakis. as emperor I, with, with a wave of my hand i will make yeah you know, i don't i don't think that yeah. was in the in the movie i don't think i think they skipped no. over that in the movie yeah that's not but yeah, so it, we but yeah, that's we come to learn that Paul's uh, ultimate goal is to so he learns of a way that something like if you if you give the water of life to the worms, then it will destroy the spice production it'll somehow. Kill, it'll, it, it, it'll destroy all the yeah. it'll start a chain reaction. And it'll destroy yeah. all the worms. Right. And so that, you know, the, the idea that the whoever can destroy something controls it. And right. so his his goal is to basically blackmail the emperor into yeah. letting him marry Princess Irulan and become heir to the heir to the throne. And yeah, and send the Emperor packing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah. And that's that's ultimately what he does. <laughs> that's it, pretty much, yeah, he pretty yeah. Much, yeah, he gets it. Yeah, um, he you know defeats uh, defeats Fade Rotha in a knife fight. Yep. Once again with the knife fights. Um, <laughs> well, that, in the neck. <laughs> right, yes. Right, yes. Right, right up through the, the chin. Right up through the chin into the brain box, dude. Yeah. Yeah. But that was yeah. that was the big juxtaposition between Fade and Paul, right? Because Fade's fight on his 100th gladiatorial thing, like Aaron was saying, was supposed to be against a drug slave. So they, they drug mm-hmm. up the slaves and they let you basically just go slaughter these guys. You get a full shield. Sometimes they get a half a shield. You get two knives, one with poison on it, and everybody knows which one has the poison, right? The black blade is the clean blade. The white blade is the short one with the poison on it. Right. So you've got a poison blade and you've got a safety word and all this other shit. Oh, go kill some slaves. Just <laughs> drugged out people. So every opportunity to cheat is taken and used. 
right? I, yeah. I guess in that one fight, he wasn't drugged up, but he was made to look like he was drugged up, but it turned out to be an Atreides that was in total battle rage mode um, mm-hmm. and put the blade, put the poison on the other blade and took every opportunity to cheat. And then Paul had a very similar circumstance because Jessica said, hey, Fade probably has this word embedded in him that'll shut him down and she tried to tell him and he was like no don't tell me i'm gonna do this. i'm not gonna do I'm that gonna fucking sack up i'm gonna do this the legit way and ends yep. up he's got a little acid on his blade but he doesn't have poison on his blade so mm-hmm. fade did and then had other little had his little hip dart little hip and darts, everything which actually ended up <laughs> fucking him over because he was stuck to the floor <laughs> yes <laughs> so it's just the juxtaposition almost the same character because they're compared earlier in the book they're compared to be very similar they're the same age mm-hmm. they're both they're both in line to take over the great house they're very similar <laughs> but opposite sides of the coin i think there's even a a thing very early in the book where baron harkonnen is like lusting after each of them equally <laughs> or like yeah. you know oh the, yeah, yeah he's yeah he's pretty like my nephew mm-hmm. you know <laughs> yeah yeah, uh, sickening. So. But then we we figure out that Fenring, which I have a question about Fenring, but Fenring's Count wife, Fenring, yeah. Fenring's wife is the Bene Gesserit, and she mm-hmm. lays Fade to get pregnant, and then they don't mention any more about that. So presumably, she's walking around with a Harkonnen in her. So yeah, the mm-hmm. bloodline may not be dead. Yeah. Discounting the fact well, that Paul, discounting the fact that Paul and Jessica are both Harkonnen, also. <laughs> so, right, right, that, yeah. We'll take that aside. Which, but <laughs> they didn't, they didn't have that confrontation in the movie. Where did they? I well, it hasn't even been, long. Hasn't even been No, I mean the, where where Paul learns through his, you know, yeah, his new he, he gets enough spice in him. Yeah. In and the, in he the learns that. Yeah. That's in the first half. That should have been in the first movie. I can't remember if that was in the movie or not. It was in the first half, but I don't remember if it was in the movie. Yeah, honestly, I don't remember. Um, yeah. So yeah, he remembers that, or, you know, learns through this ancestral memory that. Yeah. Jessica is the daughter of Baron Harkonnen. Yeah. Yeah. With this, huh. with the spice, if would you guys, if spice was a real thing, would you hit melange, knowing what it entailed for the rest of your life? Would you take partake? Uh, <laughs> if I could continue to get it for the rest of my life, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. I, 20 knowing years that ago. it extends life versus you know, twenty years ago, hell yeah, but I don't know about now. Right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I'd be interested in. I'm interested in what it does to extend life, or what I guess if it extends life, do you just end up like the guild where you're like a long, slimy, weird-looking floaty? <laughs> well, no, because <laughs> you're you having in, to do so much of it, you know. Or if you go into the expanded universe, the guild navigators are like that because of a concentration of spice not just being on it but being on massive amounts of it like like massive amounts like tony montoya amounts of spice (laughs) i mean like tons of this shit like actually like being being in a in a room that's saturated with it it's it's Mm -hmm. not just doing it 
for a long time. Just hotboxing it. Yeah, no, it's, it's yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah, like major amounts of it. Because um, the Fremen, right? I mean, the Fremen are born around it. They're around it constantly. The Fremen don't do it, but the Fremen get the blue eyes. The ibis? Is it yeah, ibis? Yeah, just, it's, it's in all the food it's there, and everything. And they're yeah. not guild. They don't get transformed into guild navigators or anything like that, so... That makes sense because I was wondering that during it. I was like, oh, yeah, the Fremen are on this diet their whole entire lives. Why yeah. are they not weird, you know, crazier looking? Yeah. But, yeah, that makes sense. It's a different thing. And also I said the last episode, I said I thought the the Sappho juice that the Mentats take was made off of spice. It's not. It's a completely different thing. I actually I looked that up. Yeah. So I had that wrong. Sappho juice has nothing to do with spice. It's hmm. from a sapo plant or berry or something. It does help with the hmm. mentat stuff, but it has nothing to do with spice. So okay, yeah, the spice is is a little more like psychic than you know focused uh, yeah mental ability like the yeah like the mentats do yeah and long life you get long life from it too so indeed. Does that mean your aging is – it seems like the Fremen, like there would be a way, like a ton of old people, I guess, or do they just stop aging at a point on the spice? I wonder. So well, many questions. So, Well, I mean all the, <laughs> all the rich people are on it, right? All the great houses are on it. The emperor is probably doped up on spice and he's he was over 100 years old but didn't look that old, That's right? true. Yeah, he so, looked like he was in his 30s. That, yeah. that answers the question. So, And you got to think that all the great houses are on it. Not just the Spacing Guild, but everybody's on Everybody that's anybody's on it. Mm-hmm. So that's why that's why Paul has such a strong hand when he says, I'm going to destroy the Spice. Because it's not just shutting down the Spacing Guild, which is massive in its own right. Like, Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the, the, that's the backbone big, of the Empire. That's the big one. But yeah. half your rich person population would be dead in a year because of the lack of spice. But the the big the big threat is the spacing guild. But that's not the only threat. I mean, that's like everybody dies yeah. if you destroy the spice, including. Yeah, I wonder all the what rackets. kind of death it would be. Do you go out like a, you know, in cold sweats and <laughs> scratching know. yourself all know. the time? See a bunch of. I need some of that melange, man. Give me that melange. Seeing a bunch of spiders <laughs> or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. My eyes, yeah. my eyes, my eyes. Yeah, get them off, get them off. I don't know. I don't know how it would be. It wouldn't be pleasant, I'm sure. So I, my question uh, about Fenring is, Fenring was on Arrakis for a lot of the Harkonnen rule, but they kept saying that Raban and was running it. What was Fenrin doing on Arrakis? Was he just kind of watching what was going on? Like, why would you be there? He's really close friends with That's the Empire. Possible. Why would right, you, exactly. Why would you be on Arrakis of all places? Yeah, I mean, he, you know, being um, eyes and ears of the Emperor, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I guess, but the Harkonnens um, got away with everything anyway. I mean, they were hoarding spice, right? I mean, they had yeah. huge amounts of... I mean, they paid for the invasion. Yeah, and that was one of the things that they that they really like leaned on was you know the the invasion was so unexpected because nobody thought that they would be able to yeah afford what it cost to pay the spacing guild to bring yeah that much of a force to the planet 
Well, and it know. did. And it, <laughs> I thought it was funny. The Baron had to pay for the Sardaukar. <laughs> the yes. Emperor, yeah. The Emperor was like, you can use my troops, but I'm not giving you gas money. <laughs> right. <laughs> cheap fucker. Yeah. Was, but yeah, I think the Baron told Raban that it would take if 60 years, 70, 60, yeah. 60, 70 or 60 years to yeah. recoup. And that's if he pushed to the absolute limit mm-hmm. just to break, Squeeze. just to break bank. So that means so that, 10 years, 10 years into their occupation of Arrakis, then they were already like they've plotting. Been, they've been planning it since the very beginning. Yeah. They've yeah. been planning it since the very, very beginning. What, what the hell did it say? Why he hated, was it just because of the emperor thought that they were getting too strong with their soldiers and too powerful. So he pl- put that mm. into Baron's mind to take out Caladan mm. and that he would back. I him. had the impression that the, the Harkin and Atreides conflict was much older. Yeah. It goes back. There's again, if you yeah. go into the expanded universe with Herbert and Anderson, they, they tell the story of why there's, but there's been conflict between those two houses for, generations upon generations and it just finally yeah. came to a head but there yeah there's an old there's an old vendetta between those two houses it seems to me if i was the emperor i would prefer house caladan to take control of arrakis and give me my spice over the harkonnens and then you could just you know do whatever you wanted to caladan to, or the atreides to dominate them you know into submission basically i don't know just the baron Harkonnen is just so grotesque, and their people are so <laughs> yeah. harsh. I guess I don't. I guess they're kind of more similar to the Sardaukar, though. So maybe that's why it's well. The the uh, the emperor was worried that uh, Leto was getting popular, and that the Atreides forces were getting close to being as good as the Sardaukar, and he was worried yeah. about Leto taking over and just going, you know what? I can be the new emperor. Fuck you. Get out. Which you get the idea Leto wouldn't have done, but it doesn't mean he couldn't do it. The emperor, the emperor. Or that Paul wouldn't do it. Or that Paul wouldn't do it or that it couldn't be done. The emperor is really jealous of his power. He doesn't want to give it up. He loves his position. He doesn't want to. I mean, he's walking around a gold lion helmet. People like that aren't going to be like, oh, you're as powerful as me. Why don't you come for dinner? You know, like he wanted to off the Atreides before the Atreides could make a move if they wanted to. Because they said the Atreides armies were getting up right up near the the Sardaukar. Mm -hmm. And you have to wonder, too, because, I mean, Jessica was not supposed to have a son. Right. She was supposed to have a daughter. Um and the fact that she bore an heir, you know, that might have been a trigger as well. Yeah. You know? That's true. Yeah. I'm sh- sure that was. Didn't even think yeah. about that. So, yeah, that's actually something Mohayim said, right? Is Jessica was supposed to have a daughter and they were supposed to get together with one of the Harkonnens. Who would that have been? Mm-hmm. Fade or maybe. Fade Rotha. Fade, right? Fade Rotha, I'm sure. Yeah. That would have been, yeah, that would have been right about the same age. And then that yep. should have been. The Hitzak, Cataract, whatever it is. <laughs> well, I also, I mean, so Count Fenring was a, a failed yep. Kwisatz Haderach. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He he didn't didn't quite make it, but he was an attempt. He was an attempt. And apparently. And a a bioengineered fight. eunuch. Yeah. A genetic <laughs> eunuch, yeah. He just, he yeah, he was a failure at being a, the guy. Um, yeah. 
but apparently a hell of a killer, right? Because he said everybody was like he could take Paul with absolutely without breaking a sweat, and it wasn't bragging. That was Herbert was saying mm-hmm. this guy could totally take Paul without worrying and, about it at all. And, and that was that like, and Paul said as you know as he was arriving there at the end, and he you know he sees. Fade Rotha, who he had seen in all of his visions. Yeah. And then here's this other person that I never saw right. in any of my visions. Why, you know, why couldn't I see him? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Fenring I is thought that this, was... this huge boogeyman throughout the entire thing. And just yeah. left unexplained for the most part. Mm-hmm. Just left completely. And it, was his wife was the one who left the clue for Jessica in the yes. greenhouse in the very beginning? Yeah, yeah. One of the Bene Gesserit. Yeah. So that's interesting too. Well, she mm-hmm. did that because she's Bene Gesserit, right? She's just like right. They've got their own. Has her they own have vendetta. their own plans. They've got their own. Yeah. The Bene Gesserit want to be. They want the Kwisatz Haderach because they want to basically take over, right? I mean, they really want. They want to make the Quisatarak and get them to probably be the emperor or whatever, and then be able to control that person so that then they're top shit. So mm. the Bene Gesserit have to look out for themselves because their goal is the biggest goal, which is why it's so major that Jessica was just like, nah, I'm into this dude over here and I'm going to do this thing. <laughs> yeah. <That's>, so. <laughs> yeah. And that was that was something that uh, that I think came across. You know, she and she and the Duke very much loved each other. Yes, and a lot of what happened, you know, as far as you know, her breaking breaking the command and giving him a son and everything that was was all because she actually did love him yeah no that's (laughs) like that's some like gomez morticia style love i mean they really like they really (laughs) very much yeah no they were really like she really loved him and he really loved her so really the key to the quizax haderach was true love true love (laughs) true love it saved the world (laughs) true love and marriage except they weren't married yeah right they were not married and they yeah they kept saying that well that's the last line in the book he wished he had that threw me off the last line of the book is they won't remember us as concubines they'll remember us as wives period end of book what the fuck yeah (laughs) right what the hell does that mean yeah Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Paul eventually, uh, you know, he does blackmail the emperor. Yes. Um, and arranges to marry Princess Irulan, which uh, you know Chani is is none too chuffed about. But uh, Jessica explains to her, you know, no, don't he'll 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 spend all his time with you, right? And. Princess Irulan's gonna just sit in a room somewhere on another planet and, and write and, books and write books. Yeah, like, she actually mentioned <laughs> lots that, like, and lots of books. Every chapter, every chapter is something that Irulan wrote. The beginning of every chapter is something Irulan wrote, and right at the end, she says something about like she's got a she has a predilection for writing or something authorship or right. something. And it was just like, oh, that's what it is. She's sitting on 
uh, some planet somewhere, just completely alone. I mean, she's got to have a bunch of dudes, right? I mean, that's just that's what you do when you're royalty, right? You just you fuck all the pool boys or something, right? But <laughs> just completely alone writing books because she's just being completely ignored. But again, like, okay, yep. so I, <laughs> Lady Jessica was super evil to that to her. Like, oh yeah, she, don't even worry about her Chinese. Oh, she's right. just gonna be a <laughs> yeah. fucking piddly wink, like sitting there. That's like, right. Hopefully yeah. she's able to write because that's all she's ever. That's all get. she's gonna be good. At. <laughs> that's all she's ever gonna get. Yeah, yeah. Like, she's shit. gonna write write about. What her did husband. she ever do to you? <laughs> Multiple volumes of books on her husband that she hasn't seen in thirty years. <laughs> yeah. So one of the one of the things that I um, I noticed a few times that Paul has this like dual identity where he is, you know, he is the Duke of House Atreides, but he is also Maudib of the Fremen. And he will, he will like make a deal and a promise (laughs) as one of them. And then, and then (laughs) take it away with the other. Yeah. That's right. Who told and you, I was like, "That told you I was That's kind of shitty. That's that yeah. was yeah. that was Duke. That was Duke Paul that said I was buying dinner. I'm I'm Maudib. Yeah, I'm not, is I'm not, not buying dinner. dinner. <laughs> right? That's, yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah he that does that a few times. <laughs> yeah. The convenience of multiple identities. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, totally. Absolutely. Yeah. No, he did. Uh, he did that a fair amount towards the end of the book. It was I? I'm speaking to you as Duke. I'm stabbing you in the head is Muad'Dib. Like, come on. Dude. Right. Like, <laughs> I mean, I get it, but, but, the, well, and, and I was talking to, I was talking to Alice and she said, oh, I can't remember who it was. Somebody had read Dune and they said they didn't like the main character. Yeah. But I don't think you're supposed to like Paul. I don't think Herbert wrote this as a, I think he wrote it because he was a reporter, right? I think he wrote it as though he was reporting a story. Yeah, I don't think you're supposed to like Paul. I don't think you're supposed to connect with Paul and just be like, "Fuck yeah, Paul, go." I, I think you're <laughs> Princess Irulan was the author insertion persona. <laughs> she was <laughs> yeah, the right. one writing yeah. this story. No, yeah. yeah, no, you're not wrong. Yeah, no, actually, yeah, that's yeah. But I don't think you're supposed to like Paul. I I don't think you're supposed to hate him, but I don't think you're supposed to to like him. I saw yeah. an interview with Frank Herbert where he was talking about setting out to write a book of about the fact that like with people create a prophet or that a leader that and that leader like assumes the role that basically their actions are not always going to be correct like so right. it's yeah it's almost leading me to believe like what is Paul going to do to fuck up more like in book 2 or novel 2 right going on so I can't wait to get into book 2 yeah <laughs> yeah I didn't like Paul I didn't I didn't like Paul I didn't particularly. He was just kind of a whiny rich kid in the first part, and then just kind of a like, oh woe is me, I'm God in the second part. <laughs> right, right. He assumed that role really quickly. He like <laughs> took charge and it, like really, yeah, loved it seemed like being Mohadib. <laughs> well, I he didn't want to be right. I mean, he wanted to avoid the big catastrophe of the. Universal jihad and tens and tens he, of billions was, of people. He liked died. the power, though. <laughs> power hungry. I, I don't know if he did. <laughs> I think he. I think he disliked it. I don't think he wanted to do it. But I think he saw that there was a couple of futures open, and he's trying to figure out 
the one with the least murder. Yeah, exactly. That was that was the part that I, you know, at least respected was that, you know, he he could see that this was this was coming, you know, kind of regardless of him. Yeah. Um or also because of him. But yeah. <laughs> you know, that that he was already on this path. Yeah. Um and he was like, okay, well, can I at least do something to make it not as bad? Yeah. 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 But yeah, generally, and that, (laughs) that was one of the things that, that turned me against him, I guess, or maybe not like him was the, that dual personality, you know, or dual identity, um, (laughs) That was a, giving and taking away. That's that kind of whiny part I'm talking about. Is like, oh, I'm God, but it's kind of a drag. Like, it's it was just, yeah, yeah. I, don't know. I, I mean, it's it's not as bad as uh, Thomas Covenant, but <laughs> I still haven't read that. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. If, I don't know if we'll be revisiting Donaldson anytime soon. <laughs> Speaking of which, my uh, next pick for. Uh... <laughs> Book 17. No. <laughs> We're calling back to the gap cycle. Yeah. No. <laughs> hey, book two in the gap cycle. I finished the gap cycle. I don't have to go back to the gap cycle. <laughs> I actually finished that. Plug in oh. for uh, those who haven't read or listened to that. Trigger warning. Uh, episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I gave say a few people trigger warnings about that one. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it's, it's like, it's you might want to skip that one. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I told a couple people, I don't think this book should be. Yeah. Um, Back to the book at hand, though. I, I have a question. Mm-hmm. I have another question. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the Fremen, right, hated being on Arrakis, right? I mean, it was brutal. It was fucking brutal, right? I mean, they're basically slaves. They live, like, on... I mean, they eat sand. They don't even eat mud because they don't have any water, right? We didn't have no crawdads. We (laughs) eat sand. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Dry sand. They don't even get wet sand. Yeah. (laughs) But they're obscenely rich. They have so much money that they can pay the Spacing Guild to keep satellites off, which means that they have more money than any of the other great houses. Why not just move the fuck out? Home identity, man. They're proud. Really though, why not move out of shithole cities like? Uh, yeah, I mean, move to where? Anywhere. City here. Anywhere. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you you're the greatest warriors in the known universe, and you know that. You could you could pick up and go be mercenaries for literally anybody, and live like well, fucking kings. I mean, here's the thing though: the the reason that they were paying the spacing guild these this inordinate amount of money to keep the satellites off is so that no one would know the um, terraforming that they were planning. Right. So that was their, their goal was not to get away from there, but to make it a paradise, a habitable planet. Sure. So that's why you stay there. Right. But is it easy control of the spice and green planet? If you, (laughs) if you live in a, if you live in a ghetto, and you have the money, is it better to just wait for everybody else to gentrify the ghetto around you or just move out? Hmm. I I mean... <laughs> I mean... I don't know. I live in a pretty shit part of town and I'm waiting. 
No, just kidding. Rent or uh, mortgage is going up, baby. That's right. I don't know. I just, I. It seems to me that like you could take your entire people off planet pretty easily and find a place with water already on it. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I don't. I I, I think I could. Like they could pay for transport (laughs) with the guild pretty easily. Yeah. Seems like. I mean, if they wanted to, they have all that technology that they probably put. Out, uh, you know, billions into also crazy technology with like the water stills and well, a lot of well, I mean, it's, I that know. probably doesn't compare to what it would cost because the Atreides wanted to put weather satellites up, and the one mentat to the other that Thufer was talking about was just like, you can't afford it, and Thufer was like, oh no, but I have, and the guy was like, look, mentat to mentat you can't afford to pay us to put that up, which means a friend will paying an absurd amount of money. Well, they weren't, they that were paying, fronting. they were paying spice. Well, okay. To the, to the guild. Right. And I would imagine that the guild was very, uh, fond of and dependent on that extra spice that they were getting. That's fair. Directly yeah. from the Fremen. Right. And so right. they probably would not, Right. <laughs> want to right that makes let that, let makes that sense. source go away right yeah. that makes sense that's true i still think yeah. you just move out to some place that's got water and start a military i don't I, like, <laughs> I don't know it just seems like the easier it seems like the path of least resistance to me i don't know there's just no way to to bribe a guild navigator though is there well i also like <laughs> the the spacing guild they don't have their own like the the ships that come down to the planet belong to you know the houses yeah they have the the guild controls the you know the pathways the the ships that get you between planets yeah Yeah. so the fremen didn't necessarily have you know the ships of their own to get off the planet and through the well no but still you could go to anybody on a planet and say look i got seven pounds of spice (laughs) <laughs> like, right here in this suitcase how take me and my people up to the ship and get me to fucking Caledon where there's some goddamn water like it's not it's not impossible I mean there's smugglers there's everybody else I mean like with that yeah. much spice with that much spice I mean it had to have been a lot of spice to bribe the spacing guild right I mean yes I mean any 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 under the table spice is better than over the table spice so you're getting mm-hmm. a better value for your money, but anybody would take you off planet. Like, I think, I don't know. I just, I, and I'm not complaining. I'm not saying the book is broken because of this. I mean, clearly they had a connection. <laughs> clearly they had a connection with the planet. And they wanted to turn the planet into something better. Yeah. Um, but I just, I like, I have a hard time believing all these Fremen hung out. And, like nobody just took a couple of gallon milk jugs and just filled up with spice and just fucking left town. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I, I would have left. I don't think I would have hung out. Maybe you would be in one of the outsider towns. What, what were those people called? The smugglers. They had a name. Can't remember what the. Yeah, it wasn't uh, was. it wasn't smuggler or mercenary. It, uh, I don't remember. They called him something. Yeah. yeah, it took me a while to catch on. I guess like the first read through, I don't know that I completely caught on to like the conversation between Gurney Halleck and the smuggler. That that smuggler he was talking to wasn't a Fremen. I thought that that was a Fremen oh, right. at first, yeah. and then the second read through, I finally caught on to that. And 
because when he finally meets up back up with Gurney Halleck, and I was surprised that he was so surprised that Paul had blue eyes. I was because I was thinking it was like two to three years. Wouldn't Halleck have had blue eyes by then too? His diet, I guess he was getting off world food, getting, maybe getting off world. Yeah. Food. Well, and Paul yeah. was taking a lot of spice too, right? I mean, Paul Paul developed a spice habit because he wanted the prescience, right? Like he right he, rolling spice doobies. Yeah, he was. <laughs> he was he was doing a lot of spice to get the prescience. Yeah, and, and then he does ultimately like he drinks the water of life straight. Yeah, just a to, uh, tiny to tiny drop become yeah. the Kwisatz Haderach. Um, and it puts him into a coma, basically. <laughs> right, and Johnny's the one. And then Johnny uh, has to uh, sleeping beauty him. Yeah. Or something. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Before that time, he was so... It was confusing for him, too, with the time dilations he was imagining or thinking he was different places. That was pretty yeah. interesting with the prescience. How, but then once he did do that ceremony, he kind of lost that ability it seemed like I think he got yeah. or he yeah. I think or he controlled it more. He, he figured I guess. it out a little more. I think it got him yeah. the way yeah. to figure it out a little more. And then it it jumps right from there to okay, now we're assaulting Yeah. You know, the the Harkonnen thing. And and I hadn't I didn't remember like so all of the stuff in the Lynch movie where he's he's teaching them the uh you know the weirding way and using these sounds. Right. Like none of that's in the book. No, no, not at all. But none of the yeah. none of the training yes. stuff, none of the none of the training stuff comes up either. And right. none of his exactly none of his um the Fidekin or Fadekin, Fidekin. Um Fidekin, yeah. None of that comes up. Fidikin. in the book at all there's no like training montages or anything like that it really does just right jump right from, oh i guess you're a from now he's you, got this you wrote a warm you're a elite death guard to hey yeah. okay yeah, death troops final <laughs> attack time like with no mm. little no no sorties or anything in the middle it kind of jumped no foreplay just right to it yeah right to yeah. it. It's just, yeah, it's just, you ready for the big fight we're doing a big fight. <laughs> right it's, yeah rustle up some worms or storm in the castle boys <laughs> yep yeah that was what kinda... frank herbert was like in the sack no foreplay, huh? <laughs> <laughs> sorry for his wife starting, yeah. starting up cold i don't know <laughs> um some people are into that. <laughs> Think judge. about that. Don't judge. Yeah, I'll be interested bit. to see in the uh, in the next movie what they do with Aaliyah. Yes. <laughs> because it was uh, it was just so. Um, I mean, in the Lynch movie, anyway, she's just. <laughs> oh, she was. Creepy. I don't know. Creepy as shit. Creepy as hell. Yeah. <laughs> but that was. I, I think that was one of the things that the Lynch movie got right. Well, yeah, I mean, everybody, all the Fremen were freaked out by her and scared of her. Yeah. Well, they were in a book. They fucking hated her in a book. They were talking about, like, taking her out (laughs) and leaving her out in the fucking desert and everything else. Uh They were all picking on her and putting kick me signs on her back and shit. I mean, they were really, (laughs) like, they did not like her until, until, um, oh, hell, what was her name? Not Chaney, his other wife. Or not his wife, yeah. but the wife he gained by murder. <laughs> oh, what was her name? <laughs> Hannah. Hannah. Or... Yeah, Hannah. 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 Yeah. Hera. Something. Hera. Like Something. Hera, maybe. Yeah. Whatever. Helen. Helen Hunt. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
yeah, she was like really protective of 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 Alia and and got things smoothed over. But but I think the Lynch movie got her right. I mean, that was like when she stabbed the Baron with the. Besides the fact oh, that yeah. he went skirting off like a balloon. Besides that part. <laughs> besides that part. But when she was like ah and got him with the Gom Jabar, that was pretty. That was pretty vicious, dude. It was a pretty. Yeah. That was. I thought they did that well. I like. That was the, cool. I, I liked the Lynch version. I I liked the Lynch version. <laughs> Reading that, I was not expecting that at all. I was like, holy shit! They just killed off the Baron like that. Like, mm. and it was it was cool mm. to see her do it too. It was yeah. A yeah. moment it reminded me kind of of Arya in Game of Thrones killing the Night King. <laughs> like a, <laughs> I guess Gavin, you're not a Game of Thrones I'm not, person, I'm but for anyone that gets that guy. reference, but she, basically, it's just a character, kind of a side character. You're not totally expecting, but that it, when once it happens, it really does make sense. And still, the thunder of one of the main characters was <laughs> <Yeah>. just <laughs> off fucking around while this was happening. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Yeah, but like the the way that it does work out, was, yeah, it does kind of. There was some abrupt shit in the second half of that book, or maybe in the last third, like the the killing of Paul's kid. Just it was like, hey, he's oh kid. yeah, Oop, nope, no, he doesn't. That was just yeah, that was like, and they never really <laughs> just off screen, like yeah, yeah, totally. And Cheney, I know. Cheney was really sad about it for a day, and then everybody just moved mm-hmm. on. It was like, dude, right? I I don't know. <laughs> That oh, we'll and then have, let's talk we'll about the, kids. the. It's fine. It's fine. We'll have more. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> the killing of Beast Raban too was like you're waiting for Gurney Halleck to have this big redemption moment where. Oh uh, yeah, he has like long conversations about how he can't wait, and that's why he stays on the planet to kill yeah. out. Beast. <laughs> I want to kill Harkonnens, and then when they come in and just they're just like, oh yeah, and by the way, Beast is dead too. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, what, what even, happened? You know, did Gurney take him out? Like, what? Did, well, no, Gurney didn't take him out because Gurney wanted here. Gurney wanted Fade really bad because he hadn't killed enough of the, the guys yet, right? That's true. Yeah, yeah. Well, like it's because he didn't get to in. he didn't get to kill Raban. You know, he, the guy who who yeah. gave him his his ink vine scar. Yeah, right. Yeah, and it's uh, like I'm waiting the whole book for this epic fight. Yeah, and it just kind of was like, oh wow, whatever. You know the the other part that I that I struggled with a little bit too was uh so Gurney was convinced that Jessica was the betrayer. Yeah. Which he, you know, he got that from from Hollett. And once Gurney is reunited with them, I didn't completely buy how easily he was convinced that he was wrong. And in fact, it would like he Paul says, "Oh, I have I have proof that I can show you." Yeah. Um and then and that was it. We don't learn what the, you know, what that like proof a, was or anything. Yeah, 35,000 miles that way. This, this, <laughs> right. This note that he's been carrying around from UA from the beginning. Like Right. Like that's... Yeah. Well, speaking of uh yeah. speaking of Dr. Yui, um oh, yeah. <laughs> shall we uh Shall we do our Bob the Builder? Yes, please. Mm -hmm. Okay. I heard about the six degrees of Bob the Builder. Yes, we can. (laughs) Because this time, in honor of the late Dean Stockwell, who played Yui in the David Lynch movie, we're starting with Dean Stockwell. 
who was in, of course, as everyone knows, Quantum Leap with Scott Bakula. Mm-hmm. Scott Bakula was in one of my favorite movies, Lord of Illusions, Clive Barker movie, with Daniel Von Bargen, who played Nix. Uh, Daniel Von Bargen was in, of all things, Six Degrees of Separation, which is where this whole thing comes from, (laughs) with Oz Perkins, who is the son of Anthony Perkins. So Oz Perkins actually acted in a movie. He's actually known now as a director. Uh, And he directed Alice Krieg in Gretel and Hansel, which is a fairly recent movie. Alice Krieg was also in Thor The Dark World with Anthony Hopkins. And Anthony Hopkins was in The Bounty with Neil Morrissey, who played Bob the Builder. There you go. Holy smokes. (laughs) There you go. Well done. Didn't double up from the, what's her face that keeps popping up? Lorelai King. Lorelai King. (laughs) That's right. No, I had to to go a different way this time. I told you, no, yeah, you couldn't use her. Totally, (laughs) totally different way. And and we got some Dean Stockwell in it, which is nice, because we just just lost Dean Stockwell recently. So it was- Yeah. uh, was nice to honor him a little bit in a really weird way. <laughs> in the only way we know how. That's right. yeah. By playing six degrees right. above the yeah. <laughs> It may I not be know. immortality, but it's the best we can do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dune. Uh. I don't know, man. I so I read the the well, listened to the first half of the book. I did four times in four different versions. Then I saw the movie four times. The second half of the book I did um the Scott Brick version, then I did the dramatized version. Then I started with the Linton version and had to bail. And then I got into the Godal version and I was like, This is great. I just can't do it anymore. <laughs> so, <laughs> I didn't I didn't make it all the way through, but I still feel like I'm pretty doomed up. So I would recommend if anybody's interested and hasn't actually read the books or listened to the books yet. I don't know why you're listening to this, but I would recommend the Scott. <laughs> I would recommend the Scott Brick or the the Gadol version. Yeah, absolutely. Well, having found out all of the work that Scott Brick went through to get the pronunciations, I I stuck with that for the second part, and yeah, just so impressed with his dedication there. So, hats off to him. Yeah. I did see he's just a great, a great person to listen to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Read you a story. Yeah, totally. Great voice. Yeah. I want I want Scott Brick's voice on my GPS. (laughs) Or actually, actually completely disconnected. Do you guys know who Brian Blessed is? I know the name. Okay. He does. Uh, He, he's a very loud, kingly person. He was in Black Adder. If you guys have ever seen Black Adder, which if you haven't. Oh, you you know what? I saw something about, uh, somebody wanted a guy to do, Matt Barry doing Brian Blessed doing something else. Like he oh. wanted this person to do an impression was of. Was that? Oh, yeah. that was that. Was that Matt Barry reading letters as Brian Blessed? It might be. I think I saw that. It, well, it was somebody doing an impression of yeah. Matt Barry, right? Doing an impression of and, yeah. Uh, Br- Brian Blessed anyway. is, is this old Shakespearean <laughs> style actor guy that has this very kingly voice and shouts everything. I want him. <laughs> I want him on my GPS because it would be funny as shit. It'd be great. So I want Matt Barry Sean on Connery. my GPS. Matt Barry's so <laughs> Matt Barry's so funny. 
<laughs> I like that very much. You should watch Toast of England, I think, is, or Toast of London is a series that he's in. It's pretty funny. Okay. That's worth that's worth checking out if you like Matt Berry because it's all him. He plays this. I do. He plays this very old, stodgy. He plays a very old, stodgy style actor in the new world, and he's just trying to keep up with everybody, and is just having a lot of trouble. And it's, it's okay. It's really funny. Yeah, I'll have to. I'll have to look for that one. I, of course, I, I know him mostly from IT Crowd and yeah, uh, right. now. Yeah, what we do in the shadows. Yes. Yeah. No, he's good. I think. So. I think Toast. Of, I think it's called Toast of London, or Toast of. Yeah, London. I think that's Toast of London. I think I it's think on. Right. I think it's on Netflix too. It's really. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. That's yeah. where I found it. it <laughs> is, it, is it like six episodes per season or something like the about? Yeah, like and all the British only, TV and shows like, are. And only like four seasons, so you can bang right. it out pretty quickly. It's pretty <laughs> yeah. funny. It's just—it's it, pretty funny. I enjoyed it, but nice. he's great. I like since we we played D and D, and since you reminded me of the bat thing, it's just been going through <laughs> my head constantly. I can't. <laughs> it is. I I swear <laughs> I can't hear the word bat no, without hearing it in his voice. Bat. Now. <laughs> <laughs> bat, bat. <laughs> i gotta rewatch that that's uh, i gotta yeah. get back into that I've, i haven't seen that in a couple of years it's t- totally worth a rewatch yeah so you know what chicken butt <laughs> i just thought of something what's that we passed our year anniversary did we over that's two it. months ago. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. I was just like, huh, I wonder if we're coming up on a year anniversary. I just checked in our app and first episode came out September 22nd. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. 2020. Well, congratulations. <laughs> for my birthday. Alice and I both forgot our anniversary this year. Alice. <laughs> we both forgot it, which is funny because usually one oh. of us will forget it. We're not really big on that. Like, cause we were together for 10 years before we got married. So it's kind of like, it was just, the marriage was kind of a day that happened because we just got married in the backyard on my mini ramp. It was really not a big deal. It was not a big deal. We had like burgers. Um, but she came in, she was outside, I think doing a fire pit with the kids or something. And I was doing something in my office on the computer. She came in and she goes, Oh, Hey, happy anniversary. It was like, Oh shit. And that was it. It was like, there you go. So we both forgot that too. But that's cool, man. So we made it over a year. That's awesome. Yeah, that's cool. Nice. That is. Do we do we know which episode number this is? Because I have no idea. I think it's either sixteen or seventeen. Yes, so. but it's but I think it's only book twelve or thirteen. Right, something like that. Hey, but the episodes are what matter. The episodes are what matter. <laughs> this is true. I think it's, it's quantity, not quality. He'll actually like start writing it down and we'll start. I mean, it's all there, right? All we have to, somebody just has to go to anchor and look at what, what it is. Ain't nobody got time for nah, that. Nah, I got other shit to do. Yeah, I've got more books to read. That's right. Speaking of more books to read. Yes. That's right. And speaking of Scott Brick. Oh, nice. Ooh. Okay. Uh, my next book my curiosity is has deep. several narrators, actually, and Scott Brick Ooh. is who starts it off. Um, and I found a book that both of you have not read, which <laughs> counts as a sci-fi. Okay. In my, uh, in my opinion, I, I don't know. Parts of it count as a sci-fi, I guess you could say. That's right. <laughs> uh, I got it's Cloud Atlas. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. And it was written by David Mitchell, published in 2004, came out with a movie 
a few years after that with Tom Hanks and Halle Berry and mm-hmm. several I, other. I remember the movie being a thing, but I never saw it. So that sounds mm-hmm. like an odd cast to me. It's an odd book and odd movie in general. Uh, so it, it's uh, six short stories that are broken up and then they kind of interrelate and kind of don't at the same time. So it's up hmm. to your interpretation. And uh, I think I read it back when it came out, maybe a year or two after it came out and then saw the movie. Uh, I remember really liking the movie and it had been a while since I've read the book. I remember enjoying the book, but just kind of thinking it was odd too. Hmm. Uh, so it's um, written in several different styles, which we can get into next episode delve into but it almost seems like it could come from six different authors where and each it, short story is it, written differently and it has six different narrators yep so huh. each uh story is told through a different narration or a narrator cool and the and stories are, all are they all connected like i say they're <laughs> yeah they're, they're there's okay. a connection there definitely is but okay at first you're kind of you know wondering what the hell's going on or what hmm. what the connection would be the way okay. that it breaks the stories up is pretty cool so we can i don't want to get too much into right, that right. yeah yeah but um cool it definitely fun. starts off in the first maybe four stories don't really have much sci-fi in them so neither did geek love and i got away with that <laughs> exactly yeah i think you could I'm very interested to see if you look at the reviews. It's We're flexible here. Yeah, it's polar yeah. bipolar. It's uh, you know, a lot of people that are just loving it, and then other people that are just like, I don't get it. So, and I remember seeing reactions like that to the movie. I remember seeing um, reactions like that to the Gap Cycle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> could be two for two here. No, this sounds fun. I like the idea of six different stories and six different narrators. That sounds like it would be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah, definitely. Cool. So can't wait to see what you guys think. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Awesome. Well, like I said, I I loved Dune. Um, Yeah. It's one that I had put off for years just because of the difficulty of those first two pages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause, cause the next 900 pages get a lot easier, <laughs> but the, the story, man, it just, once you get into it, it's just great. It is. It's a hell of a, so much to explore in that world. It's a hell of a universe, right? I mean, he really does create mm-hmm. a universe. And like I said, when we were reading the gap cycle or when some of us were reading the gap cycle, um, <laughs> I had said I felt like Donaldson was trying to be like Herbert and create a big universe full of really smart people and stuff. I stand by that. I think just having reread Dune, I think that he was trying for that. I think he was trying to create as big and full a universe, but that's not an easy thing. Not many not many authors can pull that off. So mm-hmm. I'm interested in what you guys think of the next few books. I do not think that I will be continuing on the Dune journey. I, oh, man. I think I will. I definitely will. Well, I did it years I, ago. I got to find the time, I, but I I did it years ago. I read all the original six books years and years ago, and I yeah. I think I'm at least going to read the next one, uh, which I think is Dune Messiah. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's also available. What, just think... so just so other people know, it's avail. They did do the Sci-Fi Channel did a mini series of Dune Messiah after they did the original Dune. I don't remember if I enjoyed it or not. 
I only saw it <laughs> once, but that doesn't mean it's bad. But it's probably worth checking out if you can find it. Yeah. So. And the next movie is due out in a couple of years, and I've heard through the grapevine that he, Villeneuve, the uh, director, also wants to do book or novel two as movie three. Yes. As a complete trilogy. Yeah. So yeah. It's pretty exciting. Could be interesting. Could be interesting. Mm-hmm. There's a lot there more. There are possibilities. A lot more doom material out there. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I mean, like, we're probably going to get this, uh, you know, TV series about the Benny Jesser. Oh, yeah, right. So, yeah. It's, well, this is this is going to be our next uh, franchise tentpole, I suppose. That's right. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. Given the way these things work, and then, you know, another five or six years, we'll all just be sick to death of it. I <laughs> <laughs> wonder why we thought it was cool. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hide your favorite sci-fi series from the masses. <laughs> don't let them know. Exactly. Don't let anybody know. Let's go back on exactly. back underground. No, I love it. Soon man. enough, I... they'll have Gap series theme parks. Oh, oh God. <laughs> don't even oh. say that. No. No, no. My favorite ride is the one where Angus <laughs> shoves his cock in your mouth. I mean, uh, <laughs> no. Uh, uh, just just no. kidding. No. <laughs> uh, I, lo- I, I give it shit, but I, I do like that it's sci-fi is becoming more mainstream and more more acceptable to to do. I think it's it's really cool. Like I was talking before the podcast, just. Uh, the Cowboy Bebop live show I think is actually pretty good. I don't think it's perfect, but I think it's worth checking out if you're a fan. Or if you're not a fan, check it out. I'm curious what people think about it. And then The Wheel of Time, right? That's apparently out. I haven't I haven't read that or yeah. seen that, but apparently that's come out now as well. Yeah. And then I think and the Foundation. Was one. Somebody, yeah, somebody the Foundation is one, right? Like the first seven, six or seven books when I was in college and I never, I never touched them. It's <laughs> like that. That's too much, that's man. Too much. Alice, Alice was telling me she made it through the first five back Oof. in the day. She was like, I made it through the first five, but then I just didn't want to keep going. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I think I've heard there's like 16 books in that now. <sighs> that's yeah, too much. That's extensive. Too that's an actual, yeah. that, that's a talk. I don't, I don't know that we want to have it tonight, but I'm interested in why you guys think, that sci-fi lends itself to these huge series more so than other genres. Fantasy as well. But they lend themselves, right? I mean, everything's trilogy and quadrilogy and pentilogy and 16-book elegies and whatever. More than other... It's not like Moby Dick 2, Revenge of the Whale, right? Like, it doesn't... (laughs) There isn't... Well, I think... um... Part of that is using all of that space for world building, which if you're, if you're setting your book in our world, you don't necessarily need to do that because all these things are about the world are understood by your audience. So, yeah, but I, I hear what you're, you're, you're telling this, you know, this alternate history, this alternate reality that. I hear what yeah. you're saying, but most once you create that world, you don't need to have you don't need to have six books to create a backstory for one story. You know what I mean? It just it seems like they pile on more and more. Gibson writes trilogies, and it's effective. Well, yeah. it's really not our world. 
Blue Blue Ant is kind of our world. Yeah. So that might not be the say, best example, but yeah, it just seems like I don't I, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not complaining. I don't like 16 books might be a bit much, but I, like it could just be the style of the authors that are writing these, you know, that come up with this type of world is somebody that is just so in their own mind that they just have right. so much to get out where it's like, I can't, right. you know, there's, I don't know. I don't know. Cause it's sci-fi. That's a good question. Sci-fi fantasy and like the yeah. magic tree house, right? Like that's the, like, we have multiple books in those. I just, I'm just curious. Yeah. Like, what do you think listeners? I think it's, well, you have your like detective series where there's like 18, you know, true crime books about, right. I don't okay. know, whatever yeah. right. this detective or, right that killer series like dexter there's a series and right i mean it, i'm not saying other it genres i'm not saying it doesn't exist in other genres but it seems like maybe because once you come up with a world like that as an author you're like well fuck that just took 10 years in my mind of creation <laughs> you know creating this crazy universe i don't I'm, yeah i don't want to come up with a whole another one or it just takes that long to come up with that kind of universe where right. you don't see you know you do see those with the same author writing different not like uni- universes yeah. but it takes them a long time right That's true. interestingly the uh the the exception to that that I first think of is uh, Neil Stevenson, who has written a bunch of standalone science fiction and oh, the, yeah. the trilogy, I guess that he did, which was, I mean, multiple, multiple books was historical fiction was set in our world. So huh, interesting. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Huh. He's yeah, just got a dartboard just... and he like throws three different color darts at it and he's like, all right, <laughs> sword, sword people, magic. <laughs> That's funny. And he's pulling stuff out historical of historical fiction. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Scenes from a hat. <laughs> That's funny. No, it's just an interesting, I don't know, observation maybe. And I think it, I think it probably yeah. is like a, a, an author creates a world and doesn't want to leave that world. Like I could it. It seems like it lends itself to that. Like, oh, shit, there's a lot of stories to tell in this universe. And Terry Mm -hmm. Pratchett has 41 books in the Discworld series. Yeah. And it's not all one group of characters, although there's a bunch of reoccurring ones. But that's – and I love being in that universe. I'm not complaining. I just – it's interesting that sci-fi fantasy really lend itself to that. Continue building it out. Yeah. You know. To to be able to come up with a world like that, you almost have to have an an obsessive – you know personality and Mm -hmm. so once you create it you're almost like you don't want to yeah like you said you don't want to leave it you're just so obsessed with the people in that world where you're like i think your uh energy is spent on creating new stories within that as opposed to going well now i've i've done this on this planet now i want to do something where it's a you know completely opposite historical fiction or whatever it might be I just, I don't know. I just, it's interesting to me that like, I mean, there's other types of fiction, like lots of other types of fiction. And it just seems like sci-fi fantasy writers are maybe geeks are obsessive. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I certainly wouldn't know anything about that myself, but it just, just, we were, we were talking about it the other day and it just occurred to me that like, there's a lot of, 
what is it? Is it McCaffrey does the Dragon Rider series? I think there's just an absurd amount of books in that series. Although it's not really a series. It's more like young adult fiction or probably less than young adult. But I don't know. Just an observation. thought it was interesting. Yeah. I'm happy for it well, it's, most of the time. So. I was going to say, that's part of what I look for in books where I'm like, hmm, there's only two books in that series. I might <laughs> skip that for now until they write more. <laughs> I need more. Now, Game of Thrones should have... Don't, don't start reading it until the series is that's finished. That's what I was yeah. going to say. Game of Thrones should have taught you or should be teaching you right now. Don't start until it's ended, right? Like that's, It's painful. Or the, that's, or the name of the wind. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness, yes. That's I was wondering one. if you've, you guys have read that. No. Uh-uh. Patrick Rothfuss. Rothfuss. Yeah, yeah. Those are I've read the first two twice. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's, those and are good we'll, audio books. And we'll see if the first one ever ever comes <laughs> or the if the third one ever ever comes we got uh you know 2.5 or whatever i was gonna say he wrote like a half little mini book but uh, which was yeah i like that one it was okay but yeah sweet nothings <laughs> the slow regard of silent things mm-hmm. yeah yeah gavin if you haven't read this then uh, what's the first one the name of the wind the name of the wind yeah huh. it's a good fantasy uh, I think it's written by a pretty he, Patrick Rothfuss is pretty young, mm-hmm. but fairly, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, these are the only things that he's written, right? Huh? Really so. well done story, mm-hmm. and it's told pretty uniquely. And then I think book one is one day, right? No. The way that he tells it. Well, uh, the framing is one day. The framing yeah. device is one day as he's telling his story. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. And then book two is that the second day of the framing. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> Dune Messiah is going to be sweet to get into. Can't wait. Yeah, yeah, and, I'll probably uh, I'll I'll read that one for sure. Just on the off chance that they that they do the movie of it. If you guys are doing it, I'll probably do mm-hmm. it. I don't want to be left out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I doubt that we'll. Uh, I'm, I'm not, not doing gonna, all I'm, six <laughs> books. Yeah. I'm not doing all six books again. I already did all six. Well, books. and I and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna request doing Messiah for an episode because no. I'm sure. <laughs> no. no. Uh, Maybe in the future. I, I've already alienated uh, you know all three of our listeners with this much time. <laughs> <That's> so <right>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nonsense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, that's, yeah, I'll do Doom Messiah too. But I'm gonna get into Cloud Atlas. I'm excited about that. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That seems like a lot of fun. So, let's start, wow. that, start that sometime soon. Yeah. Fingers so crossed. We'll all will read along with us as well and join us for our next episode. Yes. Mm-hmm. Heck yeah. We're the Hologram Media Club. Yeah, yeah. Signing yeah. off. <laughs> See you next time. <laughs> Bye. Walk without rhythm, it won't attract the water.